White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers, two takes, one team. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, it's good to be back. Uh, Bro, you're back in uh, in Colorado for a weekend. Uh, It sounds like you had had a fun fantasy football weekend with the guys. Yep, had our fantasy football draft of annual chaos and and fun and brotherhood and and slight bits of debauchery um, sprinkled in on top. But it was a good time. We rented a house up in Breckenridge. Slight bits? Slight bits. Um, we rented a house in Breckenridge, did some golfing at the course there. Um, the weather actually was not the greatest, so we did we scrapped a, a rented boat, but um, but it was great. It was a good time, and uh, I am still in Denver as of Monday um, before I fly back out tomorrow back to Idaho Falls and and continue the 1,700 miles south to the Mexican border where I complete my full loop on the Great Divide and the Western Wildlands routes bike packing yeah so uh just a slight pause in the grand scheme of things yeah. but uh, hopefully you've had a good little uh good little weekend yeah. got to catch a catch some football maybe um i, I don't know if you caught any of those I games i didn't, just talked about the no, games. no we we didn't watch any of all you know we we were just hanging out as as guys this weekend we didn't actually watch tv we we did our draft which was you know chaos but um you know, we didn't we didn't end up watching any football, which is crazy because, um, you know, we're Big Ten fans. These other guys are all Chicago boys. They're Wisconsin fans. One of them's even an Illinois fan. The the, the others are. Um, uh, we got an Iowa fan in the group. A couple of Iowa grads. Um, so so it's certainly a Big Ten crowd, and they definitely love their their college football too. Um, but we just it was an afterthought. No one no one cared about um, Illinois or, or Wyoming. No one cared about um, uh, you know Nebraska. Northwestern, but there were some Big Ten games this weekend. Yeah, um, and also some um, action with um, you know rookies. Um, I, oh, yeah. I happened to catch yeah. the um, and the NFL preseason. I should say, um, happened to catch the the Pittsburgh game against uh, Detroit. I guess uh, which Detroit looked as bad as always. But um, Kenny Pickett came in in the second half, and I got to say, he looked good and. He's a hometown hero kind of guy, and um, it was just interesting. It's an interesting storyline. I, I know you're a, a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, and they may have they may have found their next quarterback. They're talking about have um, what's his name uh, Trubisky as the starter, but he didn't look. Ex- I mean, he'd look serviceable, but not exciting. But um, anyway, for all your Steelers fan out fans out there, it looks like you guys have uh, may have found your next quarterback in Kenny Pickett, which well, is so as a Penn State fan, it's hard for me to admit. Trace McSorley also got some. Work there for the uh, Cardinals uh, this this weekend and this preseason as well. Um, he's still the backup quarterback to Kyler Murray. Um, I think these they're talking about him as battling for the third, you know, QB two or QB three is, is he? where he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I mean, uh, he looked good at times and at other times he looked like he just. I mean, you know, and he's playing with a second 
string or even third string O-line. So, you know, he looked very Penn State-ish, but there were times where he missed some open throws. I'll tell you, Andy, I'm going to be honest with you. All these other Big Ten guys in this fantasy football league, they they noticed um, a trend of some some very Penn uh, State-heavy drafts by me. I have Allen Robinson. I have Miles Sanders. (laughs) I have... um, I think I have uh, Mike Gesicki even, so so I, I'm I'm no stranger to uh, to drafting some 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 Penn State boys here and there for banking some of those Penn Staters. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. Um, well, for me, uh, not not much has changed other than the fact that today's literally the last day of my sabbatical. I go back to work tomorrow. Um, looking forward to that in some ways, and kind of uh, I won't say. I don't want to say dreading it, but it's, you know, it's like a big shit uh, having, after having three months off a big it's shift changed. and some, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what that's going to entail and you know, how frazzled and freaked out I'm going to be by the next time we talk. But, um, <laughs> the other big news for me is that our air conditioning is working. Yeah. So that's an important oh, one. what a relief. Cause it's, it's a hot, hot late summer right now. And, um, it's not on currently because you know, all the air noise is bad for recording, but uh, I'm really glad to be able to have some, some, uh, comfortable, uh, space to be in, uh, at home. So, uh, well, anyway, uh, Hey, let's, um, let's do a, I'm going to quick share an outline of the show for everyone. So you know, what's coming up. We're going to um, do some news and notes and, and then we're going to get into the season overview and just kind of talk through the schedule team by team. We're not going to go terribly in depth, but we're just going to sort of give an outline of the schedule, make some comments about who we're facing um, as we go through. And then um, after that, we're going to sort of do our kind of season prediction bit. And um, somewhere in there, we're also going to talk about Purdue in depth, not when we hit the schedule, but you know, maybe I don't know if it's before or after the season preview. We'll we'll do a look ahead of Purdue um, and and take a look at our our upcoming opponent who's playing in just like literally in two nights. We're going to be watching Penn State football. I can't believe it. I'm two nights. really excited. I guess, I'm starting I guess by to get the time that this light. drops, you mean two nights? <laughs> I guess so. I'm thinking it's Tuesday. No, it's Monday, yeah, bro. I mean, it's Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in any case, um, I, I'm getting real excited, man. It seems like it. I'm getting like the butterflies and the, the anticipation it's, it's there. Well, so I, I, strangely, you know, for me, like last year I was clued in to the season all summer long, clued in, you know, the whole preseason during camp and like just counting the days down. Whereas right now, like I have so much other stuff going on with me, with, with my day to day and this adventure that like. It's almost been an afterthought for me. Like, yeah, the season's coming. How dare you? The season's coming, but like, <laughs> but like, but I'm, I have. I, I don't have a an extreme emotional anchor down at Beaver Stadium currently. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I just, I don't have the emotional bandwidth because of the pure exhaustion levels that I possess from the adventure that I'm on. So, so my extra time, <laughs> I guess I my extra you. time goes into like just perpetuating my adventure as opposed to like every day I wake up and I read the 30 ar- new articles that are out about, you know, what's going on in Penn state football stratospheres. So I guess I'm, I'm envying you a little bit because um, I wouldn't mind being a little more low key about it right now. And actually, as we've talked about, before because you're kind of doing what you're doing i'm taking on more of the research and like that is getting me yeah like yeah thinking about well, it a lot and, and getting me so, excited about it so a lot yeah and, that's that's and and 
you know, I think in you know last year that was more on my plate than it was on your plate. Not that you didn't have responsibilities, yeah, but like so that had me keyed in, keyed up, you know, tuned up, uh, keyed in and tuned up for Penn State football <laughs> more strongly than than. And by the way, let me get let me be very clear. I wish I had more emotional bandwidth. <laughs> For, for Penn State football and and I because I because I you know I'm a I'm a super fan so um I, it doesn't mean I won't care about the games uh it, it does mean that it it just isn't as I bet once we get into the season like you know and most, it becomes real it, it'll that'll that'll change most likely, that's what I'm guessing. most likely yeah especially especially well, case, especially if we win especially. this first game that will be very yeah, helpful so <laughs> Let's put a pin in that for a moment, because um, what I'd like to do now is uh, just, uh, hey, Taxi. <laughs> I got a little dog next to me named Taxi. And she's she's the um, resident Nittany Lion here. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, taxi's the mascot today. Um, anyway, um, so we're going to go ahead and um, talk about some news and notes. So let's do that. News and notes. So as I just alluded to, uh, we did just uh, get through the first weekend of college football. They call it week zero. It's kind of like uh, when they used to play like the kickoff classics. And in fact, the big quote unquote big game of the weekend was played in Ireland. And that marquee matchup was two Big Ten foes. Uh, the first football uh, action of the year and was a Big Ten conference game, Nebraska at Northwestern. And um, that was I, you did, said you didn't see any of the game. I saw some of the game, and I've um, read about couple, it now. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so my, the experience of watching the game for me, there are a couple of things. Number one, uh, Northwestern looks serviceable, which is disappointing for me because I was hoping for an easy, an easy game um, when we face Northwestern later in the is year. It, is it Northwestern um, being serviceable, or is it Nebraska being like you know b- a below average? <laughs> I mean, we'll find out as the mm-hmm. season goes on, but just to like to the eye test, um, they looked serviceable. Like they looked like they were hard hitting. They they you know knew their assignments. They played well. And Nebraska, who I think is a, a athletically superior team, it was a close game all the way. Now the big headline of that is that Nebraska lost to Northwestern, and the way they lost has has come under uh, a lot of scrutiny. Um, basically, Nebraska went ahead in the uh, third quarter, and immediately after they scored the go-ahead touchdown, kicked an onside kick, which, as you might expect, was recovered by Northwestern, and Northwestern went ahead and scored uh, to take back the lead, and Nebraska never, uh, never got a chance to score any more points after that. And so I think it was like a 27-31 loss uh, by Nebraska. Northwestern starts their season with a win. They only had three wins all of last season. So everybody um, was like everybody talking about Scott Frost, this Nebraska team, and this game going into it. Well, and especially because of that, like, head coaching call. Well, well, hold on, hold on. on. What I'm saying is going into the game, everyone's talking about how important this game is for Scott Frost's future. So like it it was certainly you know like people were already saying this is, Scott Frost had to win this game. Yeah, he was a hot seat coach going into the season and then you know to kind of make that call that you know effectively ended up losing them the game. I mean you could you could argue whether or not that's actually true, but the optics are that like it put Northwestern in a position to score the go-ahead touchdown you never you know sniffed uh points again through the rest of the game and and so 
Yeah, I mean, it's it to me, it's not looking good for for Scott Frost. I mean, you can always say, well, what happens in the next few games, you know, could turn that narrative around. But it's been what, how many seasons of saying, well, eventually he'll get there, and just I don't know what's going on, but he ain't getting. Well, there. people are already talking about how this is starting to mirror in a lot of uh, interesting ways how people how people were talking about Clay Helton, how Clay Helton, Clay Helton's players were talking about Clay Helton and like just it all feels very similar other than the fact that you know Scott Frost is Nebraska's golden boy whereas Clay Helton former coach of USC is Clay Helton for those who aren't familiar um yeah and you know I mean this is in particular symbolized by one of the questions I think it was in the post-game press conference where Frost was asked if he would resign, <laughs> if he would consider resigning by one of the uh, media people, yeah, you know, I saw which that. is like, I uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's a low blow. I got your question. Yeah. It's, but, but, but it in some ways reflects kind of the sentiments of folks. Like, so, what, what do you anyway, expect the coach to say to that question? You know, like what that, that question mm, asking it. Yeah, I get it. You want to ask that question. You do. But what do you expect someone to say? So in any case, what, what, what complicates this for Scott is that, his new athletic director, and it's, I guess this is his second season now, Trev Alberts, who is also in his own right a, a bit of a Nebraska legend. Um, you know, he he didn't hire Scott Frost, so so maybe he's beginning to think, hey, am I like on the cusp of needing to make my my first make my mark. my first big hire as as athletic director? And mind you. That come, I think it's I think it's by like either mid October or the beginning of October, October October first, his his buyout goes from like fifteen million to like seven million or something like that. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not looking good <laughs> for Scott. By the way, an interesting contractual like stipulation to have that drop mid season like that. Yeah, weird. Yeah, that that, that, that case, doesn't bode um, well. <laughs> I don't think so either. Um, but let's um, let's move on um, from that intrigue because as intriguing as it is, it's not really what we're uh, interested in here to talk about today. Um, in other Big Ten action, by the way, um, Illinois wiped the field with Wyoming. It was not even a game. I don't quite remember the scoreline, but it was um, a whopper. Illinois, I mean, it was a whopper. It was like sixty. You know, an FCS team, Penn State, kind of made them look silly a couple years ago, but it, it would you know. An Illinois team that has struggled in recent years is looking better and better. And oh, yeah, by the way, they whooped us. They beat some. <laughs> we, were, we are not going to talk about that anymore. Nine so. offensive linemen. I don't know, I don't know how that <laughs> came up. But anyway, um, uh, let's move on with, with some other news and notes. Um, just before we got on the, um, the podcast today, uh, press record, um, the Penn State uh, media. Uh, appearance of James Franklin and Sean Clifford and and, and others um, just kind of concluded. We didn't really get to catch all of it, but we did catch a couple of highlights that came out from um, from you know people who are there tweeting about it. And bro, you you were kind of uh, paying attention to that. Just what are some of the things that you noted? That's kind of the the main takeaways at the moment for you on that press conference. Well, one that could seem insignificant, but in my opinion, isn't insignificant is. Um, Franklin went out of his way to say that Jake Pinnegar, um, Pinnegar, Pinnegar had a um, a very good, a very strong camp, and he expects him to play very well this year. So 
I mean, from your from your lips to God's ears, man. I hope I hope so. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna we're gonna need uh, some better kicking for sure. We have um, yeah Barney Amore, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, uh, Punter, he, he secured the. Uh, it's confirmed that he secured the punting, starting punting position. Uh, yeah, he's a transfer from Colgate. Yep. Um, this is his senior year, yep. I believe. Um, and I, I think the kick, the kicking duties are going to be shared by two dudes whose names I can't even pronounce. Um, Sander Sahadek <laughs> and um, uh, shoot, what's the other guy's name? And anyways, they're going to share kicking oh, well. duties until somebody secures the job. Um, so we'll yeah, so a little little bit of we'll, a battle. We'll update still that under, as as we see you know in the Purdue game and games um, moving forward, and uh, we'll see how that, that that shakes out. But really, honestly, the the blockbuster um, of of the, the tidbit that came out of this um, to me, and I think probably to most everybody who who was tuned in, is that Drew Alar has at least for this week secured the QB2 slot on the depth chart. True yeah, freshman, true freshman Drew Alar. And Christian Vayu, hey you Vayu, Christian Vayu um who has Big 10 experience, a, a win, a game win under his belt as a starting quarterback in Big 10 play. Yeah. Granted it was Rutgers. Um he still <laughs> he and he's you know, he's obviously been in this system now for over, you know, well over a year now. Um you know he he gets usurped by by the by the freshman and and it it makes you wonder all kinds of things because because that's a really bold move uh, in in a lot of respects for Franklin to be doing cuz if you think back Franklin has never been forced to start a true freshman quarterback in his in his you know Christian Hackenberg was you know um, what one or two years removed from Fra- Franklin coming in um, and so it, it was ha- it was um, Bill O'Brien that started you know Christian Hackenberg the number one the number one you know uh, high school quarterback recruit in the country which is also what Drew Alar is you know so so. It just puts him that much closer. It puts Drew Alar that much closer to being a starting true freshman quarterback for Penn State football. Um, so that's what it tells me. Let me just say, let me just say for the moment, unless like unless he's legitimately heads and shoulders above Sean Clifford, I actually kind of hope. I hope that Sean Clifford ends up having the season we've always wanted him to have. But I think it's really good that this is happening for uh, with Duralar for number two um, quarterback for a couple of reasons. Number one, it shows, it shows that, that he has the kind of talent that Penn state was expecting, you know, because unless something's happened with Christian value, uh, he was a very serviceable quarterback. Um, and I, you know, I, I think he would be, he'd be a fine number two for Penn state. So the fact that drew Alar has, has passed him, I think that's really exciting. And I think that, um, the second thing it, it does is it, it keeps Sean Clifford honest in his, uh, efforts to, to be the number one quarterback. I mean, there's account of real accountability there. Cause last year there were, <laughs> I mean, no one else was going to start ahead of Sean Clifford. Yeah, take you know take one. I mean? Roberson that's you, obviously that's you found showed out. zero. You know, he wasn't he wasn't nipping at Clifford's heels. And in fairness to Sean Clifford, he clearly was injured the second yeah, half yeah, of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so a lot of his lower production and 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 his you know kind of inability to perform 
well in the highest games was affected by the injury. But the problem is we didn't have a quarterback who could surpass an injured Sean Clifford. Right. And the fact that there's someone there this year that gives some that gives a safety net for Penn State, but also well, you know, really, there's pushes really Clifford. There's two, I think man. so. If you, if you believe in Alar enough to have him ahead of Christian Vayu, and you believe enough, and some people were thinking, hey, just start Christian Christian Vayu this year. Clifford's old news, like that's what some you know ignorant fans would want. I'm just you know for what it's worth, but um, so at least it gives you you know more than one one serviceable option back there that and that's more comforting from a depth perspective absolutely you know? um well which is like kind of the last thing that you mentioned to me about um the, the press conferences when franklin was asked how he's feeling about the team he talked about the depth of this team helping to feel more confident than he has in previous seasons that there's there's a different kind of yep. depth in this year's team, like where the second and third guys are folks that could be reliable and not just about quarterback, but I assume like across the board. So that's encouraging as well. So another couple of things that this kind of makes me think about Andy is, um, so if you recall in years past, um, well, particularly last year, like if we were ever ahead by a lot, um, you know, Oops, sorry, I'm messing with my microphone here. <laughs> my bad. Um, if you remember in years past with Franklin, he'd like leave his starters in longer than. Oh yeah. So so what this I think uh, I think Drew Alar climbing the the ladder here a little bit. Maybe it it actually might be changing Franklin's thinking about like okay, what if we're ahead by like three touchdowns in the late third quarter or or early fourth quarter? Like is is he going to get Drew Arlar in as quickly as possible to get him some significant game experience, right. you know? Um, and my assumption is we'll probably be seeing that. And and y- you got to think that the guy that recruited him, which is our offensive coordinator, you got to think that um, Mike Yurcich is also interested in getting him, g- you know, game reps. Uh, and pl- yeah, that's a very good game point. Reps. So, so and, 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 I, and I look at it like, okay, this guy's a, f- a five-star quarterback, you know, number one in the country. Like, you know, Micah Parsons was that type of player too. Micah Parsons played a lot as a fr- as a freshman because his talent was just too great. And now he didn't start, but they definitely played him the most. And I'm not saying it's this it's equivalent, but when you have a player that's that talented, like you just gotta get him on the field, and, or at least put him in position to be like the first yeah. one up next. You know, so so there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things here. Now I hope that. Uh, Clifford, it, it doesn't like start feeling the pressure too much because Clifford and pressure don't go yeah, super when well he presses, together. It doesn't, it doesn't, that's a good yeah. point. So, but it, if he starts making those mistakes, maybe there's someone that's, in to actually come in yeah. and, yeah, 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 and do something anyway. Let, so, let's, um, last item for mailbag, excuse me, not mailbag, last item for news and notes is, uh, we got a crap ton of football. This weekend, starting on Thursday night, and I just want to run down some of those kind of games that are worth watching, maybe, because um, college football is really starting in earnest this weekend. So we've got, um, of course, Penn State with a marquee national game, 8 p.m. on Fox this Thursday night at uh, 8 p.m. Did I say that? 8 p.m.? It's 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Eastern? Anyway. 8 p.m. Eastern? 8 p.m. Eastern yep. Daylight savings okay, time gotcha. just to be clear um but 
that same night, there's also another game of note. 7 p.m. on ESPN is the Backyard Brawl Pit versus West Virginia being played for the first time in 11 years. And this goes back to that yeah. whole, like college yeah. football, no rivalry right, thing. Right. You know, it's it's really egregious that it's not been played in 11 years. It's now being played, unfortunately, for anyone who's interested in Penn State and watching that, it's going to be at the same time uh, as a Penn State game. You catch the first, you know, first quarter, maybe. I'd love to be playing um, both those teams annually. That'd be fun. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, and then just, just you know, if you want to, you know, keep an eye on the scoreline, one of our opponents, Central Michigan, is also playing that night against uh, FBS Power um, Oklahoma State. Uh, also 7 p.m. for uh, Fox Sports 1. So um, get a little peek at an upcoming opponent there as well. Okay. Um, then on Friday, a um, couple of games on Friday, not quite as many interesting games, but they're still games if you're just looking for f- football to watch. Um, Michigan State plays at 7 p.m. on ESPN versus Western Michigan. And then in the battle of former Penn State coordinators, get this, Virginia Tech playing Old Dominion. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Franklin, in his presser today, Franklin did mention that they will not be attending that game, that they that Friday's a work day for the team. And so they'll be they'll be uh-huh. heading home and they'll be working. But uh there it was talked about in, in the in the team, you know, within the team. Like maybe well, we should and go see old coordinators the guys, going after yeah, Ricky it, Ronnie <laughs> versus Brent Pry. Yeah. yeah. So um and then um also um a, a battle of Big Ten basement dwellers, Illinois versus Indiana um on FS1. That's at eight PM on Friday. Um you know, Indiana was was awful last year and and look for Illinois to show their growth. Um, Saturday then, of course, the traditional college football day, um, bunch of games on. Unfortunately, not a lot on that noon window. So if you got some chores to do in the morning, maybe, uh, you know, you're okay from noon to three. Maybe the, the most interesting game is Iowa versus South Dakota State. And I say interesting because South Dakota State is typically a very, very solid FCS team. And, um, Are you thinking you know, of South Dakota a, State or North Dakota State? South Dakota yeah, but is State. It, is bo- it North, both of them are they? I, both of them are pretty good. All right, both of them all are pretty right, good. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I, I hear more about North Dakota State, but maybe that's just because you, you you have a better understanding of those two teams than I do. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> Michigan plays um, Saturday at noon, but they're playing Colorado State. It shouldn't. Who cares? I don't know. It's, it's worth watching. And then Rutgers plays Boston College, Yawn. and sort of like an old Big East. <laughs> Yawn. Yeah, exactly. So that's your new. That's the only thing marginally interesting at noon, I think. Um, but things get interesting at three thirty. Georgia versus Oregon. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Oregon replaced yeah. the historically ridiculous amount of uh, losses that they had to the NFL draft um, with with you know these younger players that are high. By the way, this is the game last year that Oregon beat Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The early non-conference. Oregon, Oregon has, you know, a new coach, Dan Lanning, which is, by the way, Georgia's old defensive coordinator, I believe. Oh, well, now that is really yeah. interesting. Yep. So <laughs> so there's some interesting storylines there. That's the 3.30 game on Saturday. Um, and then the big one, uh, to me, this is the biggest game all weekend is at 7.30 that night on ABC, number five, Notre Dame at number two, Notre Dame's going to get State. smoked. 
<laughs> you know, no, brand I'm, new. I'm coach, telling you right now, brand new quarterback. Notre Dame is going to get smoked. People are talking about Ohio State as the uh, winner of the playoff this year. They're talking about Ohio State as uh, having the Heisman winning quarterback. It's kind of a done deal. CJ Stroud is going to win the, the Heisman. I'm just telling you, that, Notre Dame does not have any of the power that Ohio State does. I'm I'm agreeing with you yeah. that like it's basically even though Notre Dame's ranked fifth, they're you know, overranked. Well. Either that or just the talent difference between one and five or two and it, five. It, or it's it, just they're overranked and they and they have they have players. I'm not saying Notre Dame's not like a, a good football team. They're just not top five and they definitely cannot hang with Ohio State. Like it, I think I I totally anticipate Ohio State coming out like swinging like a prize fighting heavyweight. Here's the thing. So no, Notre Dame, first of all. They lost some really solid defensive talent last year, but their defense was very, very good. And um, Ohio State struggled at times against better defenses. Ohio State also started slow last year. So you remember Oregon beat them early in the season, and then they went on to kind of uh, cruise the rest well, of the year. Well, that was brand new, brand new quarterback. CJ Stroud was ha, ha, was making some mistakes here and there, getting his footing under him. Still, you know, producing yards and touchdowns, but like making some mistakes that would thwart some drives or turn the ball over. Um, also, their defense was historically n- not great at all. But no, it wasn't even good last year. It, it, uh, and Oregon kind of took advantage of uh, just hitting them at the right time. Um, they. Ohio State hired uh, Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, who had a top five, top ten defense last year um, with the Cowboys. Uh, so everybody believes that Jim Knowles is going to be capable of taking all that ridiculous talent that Ohio State always, always, always has on every side of the ball, but but also the defensive line uh, and their cornerbacks. And everybody anticipates them uh, shoring up a lot of the deficiencies that led to their them not winning the Big Ten last year. So um, people think that Ohio State is de- definitely like, you know, they're like I said. People are already christening them as the uh, you know winners of the. Of I'm not. The I'm not saying I think that they are going to win the national title because it's a long season and and I'm not. I'm yeah, not obviously. sure that that they are, you know, Alabama like as far as just like you know, I, I you know Brian Day is not a bad coach, but he also inherited a team from Urban Meyer that was like already rolling. Whereas whereas Nick Saban inherited a like. He built it. He, from he built the, it from, from scratch the because up. they were just a doormat yeah. at the time that he showed up. So, so I don't, I don't know if it's the same kind of thing as Alabama, um, but they certainly have all the pieces to to make the, to to get there. It's just a, you know, I, I think this first game it, they're going to be ready for it and they're going to be out to prove something. But can, will they have will they have a lull at some point in in the season? I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I mean, it'll tell us a lot about both teams. You know, um, of course. You know, I've got a rooting interest uh, with Notre Dame um, because that's that's my wife's team. That's her family's team. And um, yeah, they also have a new coach, um, Marcus Freeman. He was the defensive coordinator last year, beloved by the team. There's some there's some interesting, positive storylines around Notre Dame. And I would love nothing better than for Ohio State to get shocked. Uh, I mean, you know, me starting wrong. the season, but love, but I agree that. with you. I agree with you on paper. Um, I would be really surprised if it were a close game. And the further 
it gets into the game with the game still being close, the more excited I'll be. Yeah. But um, so that's seven thirty on Saturday night, and then believe it or not, there are games on Sunday and Monday um, in the evening. Um, on Sunday, it's Florida State versus LSU. I really could care less about that game. You mean um, couldn't care less? I could not care less. Could not care less. That's why you say that. If you could care less, thank you. For- then you, you might still find yourself watching it. <laughs> I could care less, but I won't. <laughs> um, Florida State versus LSU on on Sunday night, and then uh, Monday I think night. The only uh, Clemson. the only thing intriguing about that game to me is just that like is is the now Southern drawed um, Brian Kelly going to be yeah. you know what's it, what's it going to look like you know what's it going to what's it going to look like yeah, yeah. So, yeah I don't but, care about I mean, Florida State I read at that. all I don't care about LSU at all but like Brian Kelly showing up there I mean I'll I'll tune in just because there won't be another game on. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, I, I, I'd be happy to just read about it in the papers the next nah, day. I'll be, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll stream by the way, it while in case I'm, you're wondering, I'll stream while I'm riding I my do bike. Get, <laughs> yeah, I, I, if you're wondering, I do get the papers. Mm. I have multiple newspapers that come to my. No, I just that's just <laughs> not true. All right, um, but and then sorry, Monday night, uh, Clemson versus Georgia Tech. So that's your opening weekend. Should be a good one. Should be some interesting things that happen. And yeah, college football is nearly underway. It is. All right, let's let's wrap up news and notes, and um, let's get into the the main reason why we're here, which is to talk about Penn State season overview. Okay, bro, let me throw at uh, just a couple of things at you um, for you to kind of re- respond to, and then um, uh, you can sort of tell me. We're, we're going to get sort of team by team in just a moment, but here's some here's some overview items for our schedule this year. We play six teams that went nine or four or better. We also play six teams that won their bowl game last year. We play only three teams with a three and nine or worse record. And you add all that up and we basically have a strength of schedule. A couple of people, people have different ways of ranking strength of schedule, but according to Sports Illustrated, uh, we're ranked number 32 um, based on our opponent's last year's record. So, and by that standard, um, Ohio State is ranked behind us at 39. Alabama ranked behind us at 53. Clemson, 58. Michigan State, 64. Uh, Pitt at 108. And <laughs> Michigan uh, at 112th in terms of uh, strength of schedule based on opponents' 2021 record. Well, ESPN's FPI, which is sort of a forward-looking strength of schedule, has us at number 21. And then 247 Sports has us with the 15th most difficult schedule in the country. So however you slice it, people are looking at our schedule and saying we're in the top echelon of uh, schedule difficulty. Um, And that's what we're facing this year. Two more things. Um, First of all, there are some bright spots. Um, Two of the big three of the East, we play at home. That's Ohio State and Michigan State. And we play at Michigan, but we have a bye before Michigan. Um, one of our cross-division games is against uh, last year's worst team, Northwestern, and they were worst in the West. Um, and even though Minnesota's uh, one of the better teams in the West, we play them at home. So, Whiteout of game. our four conference, <laughs> right? Of our of our four conference away games, only two of them are against teams that had a winning record last year. So, um, and despite starting with an away game. Uh, conference away game, which we already talked about. Um, five of our nine conference games are at home. Okay. All right. Second thing, though, uh, here are some reasons 
why this is going to be a really tough schedule in addition to the strength of schedule. Um, here's our first four games, bro. Away at Purdue, home opener, Ohio, not Ohio State, just Ohio, then away against Auburn, and then home against what's likely to be a very good Central Michigan team. They were vying for the um, MAC title last year. And then we have a really nasty stretch in October. We have Northwestern, then a bye, and then check out these three games in a row. Michigan at Michigan, Minnesota at home, Ohio State at home. Three weeks in a row. And then finally, we have our last game of the year, uh, back to the land-grant trophy to close the season, but it's against a resurgent MSU team, Michigan State team, that um, they very well may be playing for conference hardware. You know, and a, a chance to get into the. Um, I, I'm saying, I'm saying, the definitely not playing for conference hardware, but certainly not going to be an easy out. So anyway, that there's just some just overview about the schedule. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on the schedule as we go into talking about each team? My thoughts are, <clears throat> excuse me, my thoughts are such that we are. Um, ne- I think. We are an afterthought uh, to getting favors from the Big Ten. A hundred percent. I mean, oh my God. Rarely does Ohio State have, it, I mean, I'm not saying it has never happened, but rarely does Ohio State have the hardest schedule in the conference um, in terms of the way the conference schedule breaks down. Um, right. So I don't know what the Big Ten does to, to, to like ensure fairness, but it just really doesn't ever seem like we find ourselves, at least in the last, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years or something like that. So I, I'm not. Well, check this out, dude. We, in, in our 30 conference seasons, 21 of them have started with an away game. In conference play. And this is our third year in a row of our season starting with a an away conference game. An away conference yeah. game. Yeah, and I think two of them have been on a non-Saturday, which Franklin has always said, I don't want to play games not on Saturday. So... Um, I, I don't think that's quite true because um, the last two were um, Indiana and then last year was Wisconsin, and those were both Saturday games. I guess I'm thinking of... The Maryland game a couple of years ago was the last Friday night game, and did, that did was, we do one? Did we uh, that do was our Illinois that one? was our beginning of the conference play. Yeah. that was beginning of uh, conference play, but it wasn't our start. Okay, and then maybe yeah, okay, maybe you're right. And then uh, Illinois the was also a game like that on like a Thursday or Friday too. A few years, a correct, few years ago. but it was middle okay, of. The, I apologize. Yeah. All right. Well, yep. regard, no, but, regardless, but case, no, you're right. It's but whatever those specifics are, there's some there's some like detailed metrics and data points to back up the fact that things have not been equitable for Penn state in our conference slate. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you can't change it, but, but we, you know, we can't. can't, Okay. So let me just, let me regroup here. So as far as the schedule goes, (laughs) as far as the schedule goes this year, I, I don't have a, a total warm and fuzzy about it. I also don't think it's the worst schedule we've ever had either. Um, I think it's. I think we have. Um, I think having Minnesota between Michigan and Ohio State um, isn't the, the worst. It's better than having Michigan and Ohio State back to back. True. And we at least have Ohio State at home. Correct. So and yeah. So. You know, here's what I've kind of come to realize: like that, that op- the the four game opener, like 
uh, away, home, away, home. Like you don't get that nice cushy start to the season, but part of what it does is it um, it sort of spreads out the difficulty yeah. across the season. So like all three months of the season, I basically have an equivalent difficulty. Sure. Um, so, so you don't get to ease into the season, but um, the back half, you're not lifting quite as heavily as you might if you know if you had a bunch of cupcakes. Yeah, to like, start. but so, and, but and, so, like, so here, so, so, is it better to start five and zero oh and then go two and six, or is it better to start two and two and then go? Well, we've done both. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> recently. I'm just. I mean, well, I guess we've gone like undefeated. And then defeated. lost a lot, and then we've we've got we've got completely defeated, and then start well, like, winning. Well, well, would you rather start four and zero and then lose two of your next four, or would you rather start two and two and then go on a run in the middle of the season? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I I, um, I, I think at least the way that our team, Franklin's teams operate, is like is like I'd rather. Have a little of uh, uh, adversity earlier on, and then go on a run and like yeah. and get stronger as the season goes forward. Um, I agree with you. you. Know? I, I think th- I think you're right, and you're right on that on a couple of points. Number one, um, that's how people notice you if right if Come you back. if you start winning. Yeah. I mean, you know, when the you're 2016 in the thick of your team, schedule. we started two and two, and then really started putting it together. Obviously, however, on the conversely, we when we started zero and two in 2020. Now, yes, that was the COVID year, so you can put your little asterisk there. But starting zero and two didn't do us any favors. Now, I'm not saying I want to see us start zero and two this year, but like I'd rather see us uh, go like. Two and one in the first three games, then then start zero and two, and then and then beat Auburn. You know, I mean, if you if you um, if you start two and two, and then you go undefeated the rest of the way, you've got a great season. Yeah, for or sure. If you start two and two and only have one loss the rest of the way, you've got a great season. Um, so I would hate. To, you know, put I think, it this way: I'd, I'd hate to go ten and zero and then lose my last two. Yeah, that, that that leaves a really nasty taste in your mouth for sure. Nineteen ninety nine, nine and zero. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, lose the last three. I mean, and it never felt like a good season. No, it right? definitely didn't. It just it yeah. So okay, um, so let's go in and talk about some of the some of the specifics of um, our schedule. Okay, um, the big one, the the marquee lights right now is uh, this Thursday. Um, Eight p.m. at Purdue. That's going to be broadcast by Fox. We're we're at Ross Aid Stadium, um, any impressions about Purdue before we dig into it, which we'll do toward the end of this podcast? My impression with Purdue is um, we had better be prepared to score points. Like, uh, we're not going to win by scoring 25 points against Purdue, I don't think. I don't think we have that kind of dominant defense where we're going to hold a, a Purdue team who is... Um, who runs a system that is all about, you know, moving the ball, you know, methodically through the air, down the field, um, finding, finding open spaces in the, you know, soft spaces in the defense and, and get, getting yards after the catch. And, 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 you know, they're going to be putting, putting the ball downfield. They, they want to score 35 points. They want to score 35 plus points if possible. Um, and if Penn state is running an offense like last year, we're going to lose. If our offense cannot hang, 
with another offense, we're going to lose. You know, our defense, it, it, Purdue's not the type of team that our team totally gets up for with the way we do with for Ohio State, right? You know, maybe maybe with it being the first game on the road, like maybe they're taking this game pretty darn seriously, but we don't we don't play toe to toe with team with every single team like we play toe to toe with Ohio State, you know, with that same intensity where like we play up to Ohio State's level rather than making them play down to ours. Um, so Purdue's going to play at their level, and we need to match that. We need to match their level, and and it's all going to be about our offense, in my opinion, and our our, our offense and our defense's ability to force some punts um, as opposed to letting them letting them score more points, you know? Cool. So we'll, we'll dive into Purdue um, more details uh, on their team and, and some of our takes there um, toward the end of the show. Um, but let's get into the, um, the next game on the schedule, which is our home opener Saturday, September 10th against the Ohio Bobcats. Um, it's going to be broadcast on ABC. I'm not sure why ABC. Must be a bad slate uh, that weekend. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Must be. But um, a little bit about um, Ohio. Um, coach is Tim Albin. He's in his second year. Um, he he came in after um, longtime coach Frank Solich's abrupt retirement last year. And they had a rough year last year. This is one of the teams that went 3-9 and nine in 2021. Um, you know, and really they were sh- three and five. Sorry, they were three and five in the MAC. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and I just just want to point this out. They um, they had a thirty five to six loss against Big Ten West worst Northwestern. Yeah. Okay, so Northwestern crushed them thirty five to six. Um, be interesting to see what kind of team they put on the field this year. It's, it's Any re- thoughts it's on that? It's really bro? just you know to me, it's just a lost opportunity to beat Frank Solich in, at, at Happy Valley again. Um, <laughs> you know the two thousand two Nebraska Jamal Lord game. Um, it's just you know we we, we stomped them. They were highly ranked. I think they were a top. 10 top five maybe even team you know obviously a little overrated going into that season and and that's kind of was the game that kind of put our 2002 season on the map with with uh you know our 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 boy larry johnson and zach mills and and some other players like rich gardner and um it it was a great game to be at. i think it was it was the first uh like it was the first mini it was it was like a mini whiteout where it was like operation visine keep the red out so a lot of a lot yeah. of people were white it was like the first one it was one of like the, the notre dame did the 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 the, the student wide whiteout back in 2007 i want to say um but but this this 2002 game was like i think part of an inception point for keep the red yeah, out keep the red out i think was so anyways Frank yeah. Solch not being there missed opportunity I don't know anything about the Ohio Bobcats and I probably won't even after the game is over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, the tidbit that we shared early in the show about um, Drew Alar being the number two quarterback, talking. this might be your chance to see Drew Alar if, if our offense can get rolling against the Ohio Bobcats, I, you know, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but like, I, I think we'll, we'll see a lot of younger guys um, in, in games like that, because I think that we will have an opportunity to be scoring more points with a more explosive um, couple of backs in the backfield that Franklin talked about in the presser. Um, he talked about uh, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen having the ability to possibly, you know, run the rock 80 yards on any given play. So I I sure hope so because um, our next opponent uh, is uh, someone that you and I saw with our own eyes in Beaver Stadium last year. Um, this time uh, this year we're going to be at Auburn yeah. playing in the 
uh, Tiger's Den. What? 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 Uh, Death Valley, right? Isn't that what it's? Isn't it no? Death Valley? That's LSU and Clemson. This is um, LSU and Le- no. Right. This is yeah. like someone's. This is a different this Tiger. Is, this is yeah. This is someone's name. I forget. Is this between the hedges? No, I, uh, no. That's that's <laughs> no. Anyway, whatever their tradition is, we're going to be. <laughs> they do War we're Eagle. Be they have the Eagle. They War Eagle. That, yeah, they have the War. But Eagle. I don't remember yeah. the name of the um, stadium at all. So a couple of interesting storylines. Um, last year, Auburn was six and seven. We were seven and six. <laughs> so we got to um, break it, the tie, huh? <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. We could even um, it up rather, I should say. Th- this is their um, this is their Brian Harson second season, and he had a tremendous amount of drama um, over the off season. Um, there was basically some sort of like personnel inquiry against him. He like accused the school of like having a personal vendetta against the him. Boost, all sorts of dysfunction. Boosters tried to have him fired, and, basically, and it didn't that's, work. That's what happened, and he's still there. Right. And now it's a right. ugly you know, relational situation. And that's the problem with boosters, man. (laughs) So, um, uh, you know, so, so it'll be interesting to see how all of that drama affects, um, you know, what happens on the field. You know, Auburn will have had a number of games under their belt at this point. And so we'll know more about them when we, when we see them, but um, nonetheless, they're a dangerous team. Um, uh, Playing theirs is is going to be hard. Just playing them there is going to be hard. hard. I mean, it's going to be hard. You know, we, it's been a long time since we've been playing at a, a, an SEC stadium for an SEC home team. Um, You know, I think Alabama was the last time. And um, it did not go well for us. We, well, didn't Alabama play um, us? Didn't we? Didn't they play us? Oh, we guess we did a home and home with them. It was a home and home. Okay, I don't yeah, remember. I don't remember the one where we played them because it was probably that bad. It um, was bad, dude. Um, so, so all that to say, it's it. You know, we're we're gonna have a chance to show that we can play against an SEC team in an SEC stadium. Um, there's going to be a lot of energy. You know, we knocked them off last year. They're going to want to get some revenge for that this year. Um, now, they, like I was about to say, they, they have some different personnel. Um, Bo Nix is gone. Um, he could have come back for another year. He didn't. Um, he left. He's still he's still in college, Oregon. but he's playing. F- yeah, he's playing for Oregon. So, and I don't even know if he's a starter there, but um, I believe he the, is. The starter this year was just named um by Auburn it's TJ Finley and he um started a number of games for them last year when Bo Nix was injured. Um they have two big name running backs, Tank Bigsby who ran for almost 1100 yards last year and Jarquez Hunter who also ran for almost 600 and yards. And they both so, ran very hard against us too. Yeah, yeah. Um and they have some big names on defense including a guy named Derek Hall who's expected to be an all SEC defensive lineman. Yeah, they have they have a strong defense coming back too. So it's really just about like is the locker room together does are, is, are the coaches and the the players on the same page are they are, are they will they, you know, f- you know, find a a renewed fire um you know and can they put the pieces together against a, another formidable talented team like Penn State we're not, we're not limping in there without the expectations of winning the, the Franklin's going to want to win that game and they ha- they have the ability to so so it's it's definitely a, a going to be a marquee game nationally i believe 
Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people are putting it as a toss up. Um, uh, so, uh, that actually brings us to this week's mailbag. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and open it up and, uh, see what we got. Mailbag time. All right. Uh, this is from a, uh, a new write-in, a guy named Jael Batener. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Uh, he has this question for us. Um, would you rather, okay, <laughs> would you rather beat Auburn and lose to Purdue or beat Purdue and lose to Auburn? It's a very good question. It's a very good question because there's definitely pros and cons either side of this. Um, on one hand, losing to losing your first game of the season, never good. On uh, losing uh, your your conference opener, not good. Losing a game you're supposed to win, not good. Um, but 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 beating a marquee national opponent on the road, um, huge. But now that's also out of conference. So, but it also does. You know, we're still in the college football playoffs, so winning a, a game like that, um, if Auburn goes on to have a great season, which is certainly not uh, necessarily probable, but um, it can definitely do more for you to win a marquee out-of-conference game on the road than, than, than beating a subpar, you know, out of your um, division opponent can can be for you. So, uh, you know, before I pick Andy, what are what are your thoughts on on one way or the other? I mean, I want to beat both of them. So, it's not the question. But the the you know, if I accept the premise of the question that I can uh, only win one of them. I mean, it's obviously, some of it has to do with you know what do these teams look like the rest of the season. You know, if Purdue goes on to win the West and we have beaten Purdue, that that's really helpful. You know, if Purdue goes on to lose all the rest of their games and they beat us, that's really bad for us. You know, so so there are scenarios in there where, you know, based on what these other teams do, um, it could change my answer. But I think for me, Oregon is a really good example. Last year, they beat Ohio State. Major, major non-conference win. And then they went on to fail to win their own conference. And you didn't think anything of them the rest of the year. And Ohio State at least got went on to play the Pac-12 winner. Exactly. And not only did they play the Pac-12 winner, but they were very close to making the playoff. They were in the conversation, and had they you know, pulled out a win so, against Michigan, so, they so would that, have gotten the, the playoff. The, that's the other side of that coin, is Ohio State lost that game, but still went on to have a really good year. Correct. So but it's also Ohio State we're talking about, <laughs> and they get... Yeah, so well, so, so basically, both on for that example, I would say, if I have to lose both... Excuse me. If I have to uh, have to pick one of them to lose, I would rather lose the non-conference game against uh, a solid foe than to lose an in-conference game. To me, getting a win in conference gets you closer to winning your conference, which gets you closer to actually being considered for um, the real prize at the end of the season. So I guess... All that to say, I'd rather beat Purdue, but I'd rather have one win than <laughs> no win. So I'll also take an Auburn win. I'd really, really love to win both. I'm going to say 
I'm going to, I'm going to pick winning the Auburn game. And, and here's why. Um, because I think, um, you can climb back from losing to Purdue, even though I know losing to Indiana at the beginning of the season two years ago was dreadful to our psyche. Um, but if you beat Auburn, that's an SEC team, and and I think that it it holds more weight. I think it holds more weight with recruiting. I think it holds more weight when it's a, a marquee game that the whole nation is tuning into, and all eyes are on you. And like, here's Franklin has had problems winning the big game, and and this is a bigger game than the Purdue game, and and I think that the team that Franklin coaches also needs to win big games. So give me the big game win over the, uh, you know, accidentally overlooked Purdue to start the year game. I mean, it's interesting because this goes to your question, like would you rather start two and two and then have a lot of wins the rest of the way or would you rather, you know, win your first four and then have three or four losses the rest of the way? And, you know, I think, you know, just the way these first three games set up for Penn State and the and the fourth game in addition, we'll talk about that in a second. It's a really tough first four games. I, I, I'm sort of bracing myself to have a couple of losses, you know, maybe one or two losses coming out of these first four games and it's still being okay. Um, and, and to me, I think even more than the win or the loss at Purdue or Auburn, I'm more interested in whether we look like a decent football team. I want to go into SEC territory and I want to beat Auburn. I want to travel on the road. Is it a night game? Is it an 8 p.m. game? 3.30. Okay, well, that's still... I mean, it's still a big game. I mean, like, I don't, it, the second half of that game will be under the lights. Um, yeah, and it, and it's, um, you know, it's the marquee CBS national SEC time slot. Sure. I mean, that's where, sure. you know, most of their yeah. big games are 3.30 on, on CBS. So, um, I, 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 mean, I dude, I would more, totally take a convincing beating, win against beating, Auburn. Beating uh, Purdue does less for us than beating Auburn. As far as by the way, as far as how our teams psyche, as far as national perception, no, 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 no. As far as our teams psyche, I say beating Auburn on the road like that will do more for our team, their Mm, minds, interesting, interesting, and their ability. That's that's a fascinating point. So, so that's I'll take the Auburn win over the Purdue win. However, give me both. Yeah. Um, uh, one interesting other dynamic on this question, um, which is, you know, that Purdue game, it's a Thursday night game. Then we have like, what is it? 10 or 11 days to get to the Ohio game, yeah. which will be more, I mean, you hope more of a scrimmage. And so you're, you get, you know, two and a half weeks between the Purdue game and the Auburn game. There's a really good chance. I think that, Penn State will be really hitting their stride going into that game, and and any challenges they had opening the season will be w- starting yeah. to be worked out. And that you do hope that they are able to put their best foot forward by the Auburn game, as opposed to sort of having a face plant and being exposed as having a lot of problems, and then you have a lot of a lot of doubt going into the rest of the season. So, you know, I can totally buy your your answer. Uh, for me, I'm still sticking with Purdue because I want that conference win. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll get to see how it plays out. Yep. Any last thoughts D- on the mailbag, bro? D- does it matter to us that they're a non-divisional foe to all, or, or are, all big, are all conference wins and losses the same? 
all conference wins and losses are the same. It may be like a third or fourth tiebreaker, yeah, right, right, right. but it's it, it's your conference record, then your head to head, and then I don't know what's does, after that. Does Joel or whatever this person's name is, Joel Batener? Joel Batener. Batener. Um, uh, by the way, <laughs> classic name. Um, yeah. <laughs> does he give his answer? Uh, he does. Let me see if I have it up. Yeah. All right. So he says Auburn is a better high quality win than Purdue, but Purdue is a worse loss than Auburn, which is more important. Avoiding bad losses or getting high quality wins. Personally, I'm going to go with beating Auburn. So he's with you, bro. Yeah. That game will have much more national buzz and be an important factor in recruiting. Plus, when it comes to rankings, teams are more easily able to climb to higher positions the further removed they are from that, their loss. That's what I'm saying. Obviously, hope we win both. Yeah. Um, so and the re- all the best. I love you guys. Love Jael Batener. <laughs> so hey, thanks for writing in Jael. Um, also, he puts his phone number here. So let me. No, <laughs> um, I can drop anyway. a pin on his location. Uh, in in <laughs> anyways, so he gives his uh, GPS coordinates. Yeah. How fascinating! So so, um, it, it, so it is. It is important. I think and it is very important. I think, especially with the way these conferences are are starting to align into super conferences. Um, to go into the enemy recruiting territory and and put that best foot forward and and win and 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 these recruits they don't they they see this stuff these high school kids see this stuff you know it it does matter to a high school kid that the that the team that's recruiting him wins on a big stage it's it's exciting it's it's well we we will certainly have bigger stages the rest of the season but i i i do get your point um we are recruiting in the southeast conference territory big time yeah yeah it's true um well look let's um let's close the mailbag um thanks jael for writing in and um uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, talk about the next game uh following saturday um it's our second only our second home game of the season on the last saturday of september uh against the central michigan chippewas um we don't have a time for that game yet but it apparently is already uh, we know it's going to be on the big 10 network um here's some info about uh central michigan uh their head coach is jim McElwain. uh last year they had a nine and McElwain. Hmm? jim McElwain. Okay. Um, their record is nine and four. Uh, they were six and two in the Mac. Um, they ended the year on a five game win streak, which included a 24 to 21 Sun Bowl win over Washington State. Did you know that Jim McElwain is a former Florida head coach? Sure. Um, I, yeah, actually, thank you for uh, reminding me of that. Um, uh, uh, more about um, Central Michigan. They narrowly missed winning the Mac Western Division. Um, because they lost to the eventual winner, um, Northern Illinois University, uh, in a, a fairly close game, 38 to 29. Um, and by the way, that was their last loss before going on that five game win streak. A um, couple other tidbits um, Central Michigan, number four nationally in scoring offense, bro, last year. Yeah. And um, their returning quarterback, Daniel Richardson, he completed uh, 60.4% of his passes for 2,633 yards and 24 touchdowns against only six interceptions. So, um, <laughs> but you'll notice that um, we talked last time, uh, Clifford had about 3,000 yards passing. So he, he had fewer yards passing, but they were a very potent offense. Here's why their running back, Lou Nichols, Rushed for one thousand eight hundred forty-eight yards and sixteen touchdowns Jeez. last year. 
That's pretty amazing, actually. And, and he's back. Yeah. So um, we did not, we did not have a, a good weapon. We have not in the last couple of years, I, I would say, done very well in stopping the run. Yeah. And, and um, so just keep this in mind. We, we'll have gone to Auburn. And who knows what happens at Auburn? It's going to be a high emotion game, an away game, heart of SEC territory. Yeah. And then we're coming back home to a Mac team who has some really solid ability. And and to me, this is a potential trap game. You know, it's possible Central Michigan just doesn't have it this year and it'll be a walk in the park. But this this game worries me a little bit. Um that that this could be someone that we end up sleeping on um and um and having, you a, know, having a tough game like you remember that app state game a couple of years ago do you remember yeah. you know we had to win know, with an interception in overtime game a couple not last years but a few years ago where they were good and you know th- sometimes these teams can can pose problems well you thought that about ball state last year i know and i was totally wrong and i'm glad to be wrong yeah. but i'm just this this is a team that returns a lot of their their offensive talent and um yeah they they they, they made some noise um last year so um who's our who, now we'll see what happens it w- remind me if you could real quick when's our first buy so um the second week in october okay. so after this home game against central michigan then we have our home opener in the big 10 okay, right against northwestern okay well at, right? least, at least we have northwestern at home the following week where it's like you know, I'm not. Say, I'm not saying it, it makes it um, better, but like it's at, at least we're not like on the road against Michigan State the following week. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it it does. It, I mean, Northwestern is not a terrible team to you know have your home Big Ten opener. Uh, it's not a terrible team to come in the middle of this stretch. But you know what worries me just a little bit <laughs> is that. Um, like I said uh, in news and notes, Northwestern against Nebraska, they looked serviceable. And just keep in mind, keep in mind, the last couple of years, even your Northwestern teams have won the Big Ten West. Yeah, I know. And odd year Northwestern teams have had awful, miserable, hardly won any game years. And so it's possible this pattern's going to hold, and and we're going to you know have to face a Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern team that actually plays really well. That's going to um, you know punch you in the mouth and you know grab you by the throat, and you really have to be on your game. Well, let's put okay? let's put it this way. If we drop the home the, the the away opener against Purdue, if we you know put it, put it together the following week against Ohio, but then we lose to Auburn on the road and we come home one and two uh, to to a to a Central Michigan team that's smelling blood in the water, like that could be that could be it's not an impossibility that that any of that occurs let's put it that way i i can see that world being possible i don't predict i mean it, this is a this is a, a northwestern team that is you know they're going to look at that illinois game last right. year here i'm talking about yeah. that stupid game you know and they're going to say you know there's a path to to beat uh penn state you know with all their I mean, vaunted o- offensive fire opening 1 and 3 and then going to have a, a, a. By the way, you think anyone's gonna? You think we're gonna have a, a, a 
a stacked crowd at Beaver Stadium at one and three against the home opener Northwestern. Like no. there's going to be nothing. It's going to be lackluster. There's going to be nothing that anyone is feeling good about, and and like that. That's certainly how a Northwestern team catches one on you. But yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Um, look, they've got. Um, They've got uh, Ryan Halinski. Uh, he has experience at quarterback. Uh, he transferred from South Carolina last year, and he played in a fair amount of the games. He he was he shared starting duties with uh, shoot I can't remember who it was um, last year, um, but now he's likely to be the the uh, primary starter. Um, he he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you, but he you, you know in that game against Nebraska he. He managed the game well, and he uh, orchestrated a win. And then they have a running back uh, in Evan Hull, who last year ran for a thousand yards. Okay, um, we didn't have a thousand yard rusher last year. Um, Northwestern did, even though they only won three games. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is quite possibly going to be a serviceable team. I, I I hope at this point that we find that Penn State is a, just a really really darn good football team, and and just. You know, it's never a game in Northwestern favor, and um, and we have a comfortable win. But you know, watch out. You never know. Okay, so those are our first five games, and then we have um, a bye week for um, Saturday, October eighth. Um, everyone take the day off, go for a weekend trip or something like that. Uh, you don't have to think about it. Will we be five and zero? Oh? Will we be two and three? Will we be three and two, or worse? Um, I don't know. Um, I, and remember I wish we'd have, we have to had, say that at all, but like these yeah. last two seasons have not instilled um, a, a ton of confidence in the ability for our team to just get up and be Penn State and roll. And here's the other problem. You know, we're not the best coming out of bye weeks either. And here's who we face on the 15th coming out of that bye week. It's Michigan at Michigan. Yeah, and like, what's Franklin's record coming out of bye weeks? Do you have that? It's not. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's not. I know we've talked about it in previous years. I think it's not. You you know you expect it to be pretty darn good. You know, like seventy five percent, eighty percent. I think he's closer to like maybe fifty percent. You know, don't take don't take me. Would be surprised uh, if it was less at my word because I really don't know. But um, it's just not as high as it should be. All right. Um, like, I think like Joe Paterno was like almost a hundred percent out of a bye week You know, he just was ready to roll. Uh, he's a, he had a few, he had a few slip ups. Up, I remember some years. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was reliable, yeah. you know, that, that you could, the team would play well out of a bye. Well, look, um, if you don't need, uh, if you don't know about Michigan, <laughs> I don't know where you're living, but last year for the first time in the Jim Harbaugh era, Michigan beat Ohio state and Michigan won the Big Ten, and it's not a coincidence that both of those things happened in the same year, okay? Um, now, they did look pretty bad in the playoff game against Georgia. They never really, you know, sniffed being competitive and lost 34-11. to 11. Um, And that seemed to create a, a momentum shift over the summer. There was some weird th- – they lost their de- defensive coordinator. Um, they had some recruiting losses, and just there's – you know, there's always – there's always Jim Harbaugh, you know, negative buzz coming out of camp. Um, He's not recruiting well this year. Right they now. have got a, They're not recruiting great right now, uh, from what I've been right. Exactly. Um, they've got a, a, a quarterback battle going on between Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy. Um, so you know, I, to me, that's never a positive sign when you don't know who your starting quarterback's going to be. Um, both of these guys are are talented, however. 
Um, they lost their top running back, Hassan Haskins, but um, Blake Corum, who was their number two running back last year, bro, he had 952 yards as their number two. So, you know, he's poised to take a step up as the number one. Um, four of their starting offensive linemen return. Okay, so... <laughs> Watch out. I mean, they ran all over us last year, and, um, you know, um, it was really hard to um, to rattle them last year, I think, um, on the running game side. Um, so uh, they have some weapons, all right? Um, uh, the only other thing I'll say about Michigan is, like, they really, really harassed us on defense. They, they um, lost those two defensive ends that did the, the, the majority of the harassment. David Ojabo. Yeah. Um, they combined for 25 sacks last year, um, and they're both off to the NFL. So thank heavens. Um, yeah, this is going to be a tough game, man. It's, there's no other way to well, slice it. Well, if Penn State, this is if Penn State's rolling. I think we have a good shot from a talent perspective. But if we're still figuring things out, I just it's it could be a long. Well, night. I think that that Michigan, um, uh, they have a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, so they're going to be figuring out their new offense and they haven't settled on. I think Harbaugh has just said, uh, Cade McNamara is going to be the starting quarterback in week one. And, uh, gosh, what was, what's their backup quarterback's name? I forget. It's like JJ McCarthy. He's going to be the starting quarterback in number two, uh, in, in week number two. And, and, you know, I know they played both quarterbacks last year, but they, they didn't play him like that. They didn't play him like alternating starts. And so he's been very um, indecisive on who his number one guy is, really. Um, and and, yeah. and that could play a role in, you know, how a team is able to take advantage of them, especially with a new offensive coordinator. Um, I think what really is going to be Penn State, Penn State's biggest hurdle with a team like Michigan is, can our can both our offensive and defensive lines do their job, and we will have a new look at both our O line and our D lines um, as far as the the, the full, um, you know, uh, left to right, left tackle, left guard, you know, center, right guard. We have a one or two guys that are uh, that are going to be contributing that are from last year, but it's a new look O line for us, and we'll we'll. Will their defensive line be taking advantage of us the way they did last year? I don't believe it'll be quite the same. So, you know, we'll reserve judgment to see how this offensive line is playing at that point in time. But um, I think our defensive line also has the ability to be a stronger defensive line than last year as as, as far as if everybody's healthy. So um, I don't see a, the game going the way it did last year. I don't, I just don't. Um, the, well, just keep in mind, we were in that game until the end. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, you know, if we end up having a better time of it on the line than we did last year, that bodes really well for us, I think. Well, it bodes um, well for Clifford. <laughs> yeah, true. Very good point. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, moving on. Very next week, um, we go back home against uh, another Big Ten West team, Minnesota. All right. Um, I don't know if this game has officially been slated for time or network, but everyone's saying that this is likely to be the whiteout game. No, let me correct that. The um, Penn state has already said it is the whiteout game. So the assumption is that it's going to be a seven thirty game on ABC or ESPN. Um, 
Coach, uh, don't don't forget PJ Fleck who rows the boat, um, and um, he's been rowing the boat for a couple of years now. Last year he rowed Minnesota to a nine and four season. Another one of those nine and four teams. They uh, were second in the West last year because they had head to head wins over Purdue and Wisconsin. Yeah, they certainly had the ability uh, to, to win the conference at, at a certain, or excuse me, win their division at a certain point, but um, floundered a little bit there at the end. Um, quarterback, uh, Tanner Morgan, um, Just he's like, in his sixth year, similar to Sean Clifford. Clifford. <laughs> yep. And interestingly enough, it'll be his second year with a former coordinator, although not consecutive because Kirk Sharaka is back as the offensive coordinator. And, um, Kirk Sharaka was the OC in 2019 when Minnesota upset Penn state and gave us our first loss of the season. And mind you, uh, Kirk Sharaka left that team before their bowl game to come to our bowl game to start. And then he was summarily fired a year later yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for, for poor performance. And, and so, you know, there, there are a lot of interesting storylines in this game. Uh, the other one that we should be paying attention to is uh, they have a running back named Muhammad Ibrahim. He ripped through Ohio State's defense for 163 yards last year. And in fact, Minnesota was very close to beating Ohio State for a lot of that game until Ibrahim went yeah. down with injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Ohio State went on to win that game and and he was lost for the season. Yeah, if Ibrahim so had Ibrahim been injured, back. he certainly they, they might have won that game if Ibrahim had yeah. been injured. So so he's back. Who knows what kind of condition he's going to be in, but um you know, Minnesota looks like they could they could be making some noise this year and this is going to be a really really tough late October game. Um I don't I don't hate that it's a whiteout because there's there's been some weird things with Minnesota lately that you know it'll be nice to have some extra energy um, to to kind of bring the oomph because um, we're going to need to win that game um, uh, you know especially with the the big boys of the East we're gonna we just need to win our games against the West Conference um, and and we're gonna have to find a way to um, to beat Minnesota next. Week, Saturday, October 29th. This is by far the biggest game of the the year. It is every year. Um, we're going to be playing Ohio State in Beaver Stadium. Um, unfortunately, it's expected to be a big noon kick, which to me is the worst. This should be the whiteout game, but whatever. Um, slated to be a stripe out game. You know, stripe the longer, out, which I don't hate. The longer I, I don't hate the stripe out. The longer I think about how this wasn't the whiteout game, I'm actually okay with this not being the whiteout game. Like, like I, 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 we can't keep feeding into the idea that we need the whiteout game to beat Ohio State. Like, we can't keep feeding into Ohio State being the greatest team on planet Big Ten Earth by always making them or Michigan the whiteout game. Like, it's just not, it gets, it gets old. It gets old with those two. I, I'm happy to have, I'm not saying I want Minnesota to be one, but like, what other choices do we really have at this juncture to, 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 so I'm okay with Ohio State not getting quote unquote the whiteout game. I'm, I'm okay with it changing from year to year. And, 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 and think about it even from the perspective of these Minnesota kids who, who like only have ever heard about the whiteout or only seen it on TV, but like actually get a chance to play in it. Like that's, yeah, I think it, those are some really interesting points. The Auburn players thought it was amazing, you know, like, yeah, that's a very good point. 
That's a very so, good point. And, you know, similar to how, um, you know, Notre Dame will like do neutral field yeah. games, you know, around the country yeah. and give people in different areas. I mean, it kind of has that sense of what you're saying is like, rather than it being always Michigan and Ohio state, um, it gives other, uh, teams, other fan bases, other recruiting bases, totally, a chance to totally. have a sense of what, what the, what the white house. So like, that's a good so, point. And the other thing from, I was going to say the other thing for me with, with a noon game, um, I wonder if that puts Ohio State at a little bit of a disadvantage because they're the ones traveling. Yeah. They're the ones that have got to be ready. You know, there's a there's a chance that maybe we catch some sleepwalking a little bit. I mean, Penn State likewise has not always been sharp on the road for noon games. Yeah. But but you know, if you can't get up for Ohio State, I don't know what you can right, get up right, for. Right. So I just I wonder if it does give a little bit of a a benefit to Penn State for it to be that. Um, in that home game. And then of course, you know, a noon, a noon kick with a stripe out. Like if it's a good game, people are going to be into it soon enough anyway. And a stripe out isn't like a horrible, like it's still mostly white. <laughs> well, you know, the, to me, the whiteout, which you have, it's the night with the, well, with sure, the lights on sure. in the stadium. To me, the stripe out is probably a kind of, a, it's a nice visual effect for the daytime yeah. when you have, yeah sunlight so hopefully it's a nice sunny afternoon yeah. and and the stripes really uh really pop yeah. but uh look i mean ohio state is uh, they're a formidable team um they, i've forgotten they were actually 10 and 2 last year they had two losses one was to oregon and do you remember who the the other loss michigan was? yeah uh that's right the game um so um, they also barely scraped by with a Rose Bowl win coming from behind against Utah. What do you say um, barely scraped by? They they stormed back while they yes. were down. Yeah, it was a, it, a major comeback. Yeah, it was a big uh, org. Uh, excuse me, Utah. You and I were celebrating their imminent demise. Yeah, Utah had yeah, that game and then they in came the back to win, and they looked yeah. dominant. And then Ohio State was just like, um, okay, I guess we'll hit the on switch on our offense now. And then they just know, started right? like, like the turbo boost. It was electric. It's like those old, like uh, those old, uh, uh, you know, racing video yeah. games where you've got like the, the you turbo know, the, button the boost and you just like, go, like, and then and then you go like, to plaid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, and and. Ohio State returns a lot of their talent from last year. Okay, first among them, C.J. Stroud. Guess what his completion percentage was last year? Probably like 74%. 72%. It's insane. It's insane. He threw for 4,435 yards. As a freshman. And 44 freshman. And he only threw six interceptions. You know, I'll never forget. How did he not win the Heisman, by the way? Because of how good good the guy down in Alabama was. Now, so for what it's worth... I remember Trace McSorley going into his senior year after having like you know that great. Um, well, I guess after 2016, he, I remember his dad talking about how he's like, all right, he had a good year, you know, because he was chucking the ball deep and get, getting lots of touchdowns and big yards and all that kind of stuff, and and he's like, we want to get 40 touchdowns and 4,000 yards, like that's so that, yeah. and then this kid did it his freshman year, freshman and year. blew that he did forty four hundred and forty five touchdowns, like that's insane, it's insane. Yeah, and by the way, Trace it, it, didn't it come is close. an insane number. Trace didn't come close. <laughs> yeah, so they did lose two of their um, really really good wide receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, to the NFL. But guess what? Still have their Jackson top Smith wide receiver Jigba. Jackson Smith and Jiba returns. Yeah. 
So um, he had a, he had a defense, game with like 200 or 300 receiving yards last year. Like, I mean, it was this is a formidable team. Uh, their defense, like you said last year, was not great, but they've made some moves to try to fix that. So um, it's going to take it's going to take a really, really just perfect sequence of events and Penn State playing an absolutely perfect game or or something happening on the Ohio State side, which uh, you know, which throws the game in a disarray, like major injuries or, um, you know, multiple errors that compile, you know, pile on top of each other. Um, there's no one, there's literally no, uh, account I've read of the season that has Penn state winning this game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take a miracle. It's gonna take a miracle. I think. <laughs> All right. So thankfully after that really brutal three game stretch, then we're away at Indiana, 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 they had the worst record in the Big Ten last year. Not a single conference win. Um, they're not expected to be much better this year. Um, and um, yeah, I don't think there's much more we need to say. Not right, right now. That. <laughs> That's that. Um, home against Maryland coming up. This is a this is a, a you know watch out kind of game. Uh, Maryland has been trying to be good for a couple of years. Tua Tagovailoa is back. By the way, his completion percentage last year. You said Tua. You said Tua. It's it's Talia. 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 (laughs) Talia Tagovailoa. Um, Yeah, he completed almost 70% of his passes, threw for 3,860 yards last year. Yeah, but how many interceptions? So he's a really talented... How many interceptions? um, uh, Only 11. Oh, okay. It's not as bad as I thought it was. It's not terrible. You know, um, he gets back one of his top receivers who you know, basically had his leg obliterated um, during the Iowa game. It was a a terrible, terrible injury. Um, So Dante Demas is back. Um, They also, um, you know, get a couple of uh, key pieces back. So uh, Maryland could be dangerous or they could be hitting that point in the season where everything's falling apart. I think one of the big things about this game for me is at this point in the season, is this our 10th game of the season? 11th? Uh, this would be our 10th, 10th game. game. Yeah. Okay. So one of the big things about this game is obviously we, we, at this point in the season, I think our wins are going to still matter. Like winning a game at this point in the season is going to matter dramatically to, to like at least our postseason hopes. Um, but at this, yeah, we, we can't lose this game if we want our season to be anything close right. to, you know, whether, whether we've had a tough season up to that yeah. point or whether we've had a great right. season up to that point, either way, you just have to win this game. So, okay. So basically, um, something about this team, we got, we got a player out of the transfer portal from Maryland, a guy, a right. guy named Chop Robinson, a defensive end, five star recruit defensive end that played with them last year and has sophomore eligibility with us now. And I believe that Chop Robinson could be a very critical part of our defense this year. And at this point in the season, he might be a, like a nationally known name in terms of what his production has been. And it's going to be the kind of game that I think a guy like that might want to, you know, get, get cut loose for. So Talia better better watch his back because um, I bet you Chop Robinson will be coming for him. Yeah, um, let's let's hope that that gives Penn State motivation to to, to play tip top as well. Um, two more games left to cover um, away at Rutgers on uh, Saturday, the nineteenth of November. This is uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Um, Rutgers 
had a you know half respectable record last year, five and eight overall. Um, they did play in a bowl game, but ended up losing. Um, and then um, they also didn't have a great time in the conference itself. They were only two and seven, um, but making signs of improvement. Okay, um, we did manage to beat them twenty-eight um, nothing in that COVID game where uh, Christian Veyu was quarterback. Um, and last year they they only averaged 19.7 points per game on offense, which is 120th in the country out of 129 teams in uh, the FBS. So, again, I don't think there's a lot to talk about here. What I'm not going to do is count... you know, count their coach out. I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. Greg Schiano is a guy who, who, you know, gets his teams ready to play and he's had success at particularly in, in college doing, I that. just don't believe that, 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 uh, that Rutgers is going to remain the same doormat year in and year out with him, uh, you know, at the helm there. So, so yeah, the question is, is this a Penn state team that can get caught by a team like Rutgers. And again, if, if that's true at this point in the season, we're, we're, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> we're having a pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty lousy season. Um, all right. And then we conclude land grant trophy time to conclude the season. This is a, a Thanksgiving weekend, um, November 26th. It'll be senior day. Clifford's last game as a Nittany lion, or at least I should say his last home game yeah. as a Nittany lion. Okay. Um, hopefully there's a, there's a bowl game to be played. Um, Coach Mel Tucker in his, I think it's a second year, right? Or is it a third? Um, I think it's a second, right? Yeah, I mean. I don't even remember. <laughs> he dramatically, dramatically improved Michigan State last year. They were 11-2. and two. Um, well, they he, got that, beat, anyway, he got that extension. He got that crazy extension. He got that major would, extension. Would they have done yeah, that? I think this is his third this, yeah, season. Yeah, they wouldn't have done that after one season. After his first. Yeah, yeah so um, look, they beat Pitt in the in the Peach Bowl, 31-21. to 21. Um so they had a really, really good season. The only kind of really big, um, big black mark on the season is that they got embarrassed by Ohio State. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they 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 lost. Oh, by the some way, guys. do you know who their other loss was? Um, they had two losses. Who was their other loss? My assumption is Michigan. No. They beat Michigan. They beat Michigan. Oh, well, I guess that was Michigan's only loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then they lost to. So they beat Michigan last year. They, they lost to Purdue. Oh. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Forty to twenty nine. Yeah. Right on. Wow. Okay. Purdue. Right. See, Purdue scoring points and Michigan State couldn't. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Per- Purdue. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Michigan State, they return uh, their quarterback, Peyton Thorne, for I, I don't know what season of this, but, you know, very. Um, Long, long time quarterback for them. Uh, he completed 60% of his passes, 3,200 yards last year, 27 touchdowns with 10 interceptions. Um, their leading wide receiver, Jaden Reed, is also back. Who was, by the way, a Penn having State a thousand recruit yard season. that Penn State was going after pretty hard. Um, and so, you know, it's I always hate, you know, Purdue had David Bell a couple years ago that we if we were get, trying to get. And I just I hate seeing these other Big Ten teams getting these guys. And then and then they get they're good. They're actually good. And and it's just like, oh, and I just want to beat them even worse because they 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 chose your opponent over you. Um, yeah, here's what I know about about Michigan State is they, they're a lot. They had a 
you know, kind of like a record number of, of, of transfer guys last year. Um, and, uh, you know, Mel Tucker took them all and, and, and molded a, a team that was very formidable. They lost a lot of talent um, as well. They lost their running back, Kenneth Walker, who was an amazing um 1600 yards yeah, rushing last he, year. So he was an amazing talent that, and he ran all over us as well. Sure. And uh but so all the all the the talent that's still there that that he got in the transfer portal, they're now in their second year under Mel Tucker and and it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of unit um he has with all these transfer guys that are now in their second year. Are they are they going to make leaps forward or have they have they already kind of like maxed out uh in their year last year so um there's a lot of question marks to me about about a mel uh this mel tucker coached michigan state team i don't know what to make of them really i do know that they will be well coached by the time we get there we'll we'll know a lot more yeah well obviously (laughs) and and we'll know a lot more about ourselves hopefully too at that point yeah well so um so let's go ahead and take the turn to look at the first opportunity to learn about our Penn State team and take a, a closer look at Purdue here in our remaining time. We'll take about, you know, maybe 10 minutes or so to do this and then talk about the season as a whole and give our predictions. Okay. So uh, Purdue is coming up just in a few days. I'm getting excited. Um, they're coached by Jeff Brom. He's been there for a while. His system is fully installed. We kind of know who, who we're going to get um, when we face a, a, a Jeff Brom team. Uh, one of the things we're going to get is a heavy dose of a, 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 a fast passing offense, quick pass offense. Um, their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, he's also in his sixth year. So that's at least three quarterbacks in the Big Ten who are in their sixth year. Um, he's widely considered, um, you know, one of the, you know, probably in line for being the second best quarterback in the Big Ten after C.J. Stroud. Um, now, they did lose their their big-time playmaker wide receiver, David Bell, um, and their number two quarterback was kind of like their, you know, Parker Washington last year. He was just declared academically ineligible for the number season. two wide receiver. You said quarterback. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 That's sorry. Parker Washington um, wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. So he academically yeah, Mil- ineligible. So their number for the two wide year? receiver, Milton. Yeah. Their number two wide receiver, Milton Wright, um, just was declared. Ac- I don't know if it's the year, but at least for the game. So, um, so they, they, they're rebuilding their wide receiving core. Let's put it that way. Um, Purdue was also nine and four last year. Okay. They won their bowl game an offensive, excuse me, an overtime, um, offensive juggernaut against Purdue. It was like 48 to 46 or something like that. I can't, I don't have the score right in front of me, but, um, uh, yeah, they're coming off their first nine win season in 18 years, bro. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, so th- th- this is <laughs> this is Drew the thing Brees, I wanted to that they're 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 finally like re like since Joe Tiller and Drew Drew Brees they finally are like reapproaching you know some of the success yeah. that they had had back then. I, I just told you they they knocked off Michigan State last year, a Michigan State team who was in the conversation for Big Ten East champion. Yeah. Okay. Um, they ha- they were a solid team last year, and they returned some of their key playmakers, including the quarterback. Um, but you know that said, they also have a lot of uh, turnover that you know we're not going to know, and they're not going to go know what they look like until they actually hit the field. Um, their big their biggest uh, defensive um, star, uh, George Karloftis, is gone. 
Uh, he was a first round draft pick D end. Um, so that's, that's good for us. Uh, I don't know what, what kind of ta- talent uh, in their depth they had behind him. Um, but uh, you know, for, for, for my money, what the way Penn state stacks up about uh, with this team I, um, I actually don't have a ton of concern right now, and this is just sounds crazy to me, uh, and, and definitely it's going to sound crazy to a lot of other people, but I don't have concerns over Penn State's ability to to field a, a, a an offense against this Purdue team. I think the real battle is going to be um, uh, with our defense, and, and I actually think that our secondary is up to the task. I actually believe that our defensive ends um, are are going to be capable of playing very soundly and and um, you know stacking up against this. Um, it's not a pure like these aren't like hey we're taking five and seven step drop back passes every down where our DNs can tee off. They will definitely um, you know counter that with some some screens and some you know crossing routes that 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 will you know if we're not careful. But I just think we have the talent. Uh, in the secondary and, and on our defensive front, uh, particularly at the end position, to be able to um, thwart these guys. Um, I don't see them scoring I mean, I, 40 against I'm, us. I'm totally with you that Penn State has the talent to to win um, and 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 to to have a have a a, a really. Um, convincing uh, dominant game against uh, this Purdue team. However, (laughs) a couple of things that make me worried about this game. All right. First of all, um, Penn state does not have a lot of experience with Purdue. No one on this team has a lot of experience with Purdue. In fact, even though we're on a um, nine game winning streak um, and even though we lead this series 15 to three with one tie, um, the the last time we played them was in 2019. You and I were at that game, actually, a 35-7 to victory um, where Penn State sacked Purdue 10 times during that game, and they had negative 19-yard rushing. <laughs> but most of that team, other than Sean Clifford, is gone, okay? And, um, you know... The, this is a this is a Purdue team that believes in themselves. Okay, the right now the fan base thinks that they can legitimately contend for the Big Ten West title and be a top twenty five team. Look, they don't play Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State this year. So this is their one big crossover game, and they feel like if they can beat Penn State, it's going to set the tone for the rest of their season. Well, I also believe and let me just say one more thing it's at ross aid stadium at night and that has been you know not quite as bad as kinnick but like ohio state lost to purdue at ross aid a couple of years ago like a top ranked ohio state got knocked off by purdue because that stadium when it gets going at night it can be a really intimidating place. And when a team like Purdue starts believing themselves, like a team like Ohio state has had trouble regaining the momentum. In fact, they, they lost a couple of games there in the not too distant past. So Manny Diaz comes in 
And, oh, and yeah. Manny Diaz. This is, this is Manny this Diaz's is gonna be first the opening. This is Manny Diaz's first first game to show opening act. And this for is Manny Diaz. Is, yeah, I mean, it's not like Manny Diaz is Manny Diaz is coming from being the head coach at, at Miami, and then he is gifted. Yeah, yeah, then, he's not inexperienced, uh, but I just uh, mean for Penn State. And then he's gifted the opportunity to come be the defensive coordinator for the you know blue and white Penn State Nittany Lions, which is by the way an exceptionally good job. And yeah. If you think that Manny Diaz is going to come out on his first game, yeah, you can parlay this job into a head coaching job in a few years if you for do for sure, right. absolutely, yeah. Uh, and and if you think he's going to come out and like play, you know, lax and like he, he's got he's going to try and find the the weakness and how to attack it, and he's gonna he's gonna be aggressive at times, and and I just you know with the way that we have some of the dude. I, Joey Porter Jr., um, you know, our 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 safe. We have we have a, a good situation at safety going on there. We ha- we got our our the guy that came back um, that was opposite Jaquan Brisker. I I always forget his name for some reason. What's that safety's name? Jair, Jair Brown. Brown. Thank you. I don't know why I I always because you know what you know why I forget him because you won't be forgetting his name by the end of the I season. I follow him on Instagram and his Instagram handle is like. Tig one six or something like that, and it's I never see his name. So, <laughs> um, so anyways, um, he him and Joey Porter Jr. are, are going to be get, getting that ball. They're going to be getting the ball. They're going to be getting in the way of the ball. They're going to be intercepting the ball, and they're going to be stopping big plays. And the and the other safety position is a of all things a three way tie right now with a bunch of dudes that are very talented and guys guys that do have experience like Keaton Ellis. And and then the other cornerback position is fielded by a guy who who was frankly claimed as one of the the, the best talents he's ever seen on the defensive side of the ball um, as a freshman. So. And he had a, a full season of experience last year, uh, being Kalen King. And I, I just I believe that those guys all together are going to keep this secondary um, working at a you know at a very high rate together. Um, and and I think Manny Manny uh, Diaz's ability to craft a defensive scheme against a, a team that you know is going to throw a lot. I just I have this feeling that you know while maybe we don't stop them entirely, maybe they score like 20, 30 points on us. I don't know, but maybe they come up with a lot of these key um, plays and stops that turn the tide of of, of the games for us. And then uh, conversely, I actually believe Nick Singleton had, and you know um, Katron Allen have the ability to be extreme difference makers for our offense. And and I I think that we might catch Purdue. Um, you know, not being ready for it. So I, I do really hope that this is a coming out party for Nick Singleton or just the Penn state running game in general. Like this, if this is the first time in many years we've seen, uh, we'll have a chance to see a, a capable, dominant, uh, explosive, Run game for Penn State. Um, I I will be I mean, so thrilled. I, I don't need to be explosive think, at all times, but to be able to break no. a game open after a turnover yeah. or something like that, or just to hang on to the ball, yeah. by, you know, grinding out sure. some some, sure. some good run plays, yeah. like anything along those lines. I, I will totally one hundred percent take that, and I, I do think actually having 
a good run game is going to be really meaningful um, in this game because number one, it's going to slow their offensive um, attack rate. Exactly, it'll 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 allow us to hang on to the ball, and number two, it'll diversify our offense. So I think it'll open up the passing game and take some of the heat so, off Clifford from trying to make plays at all times. Totally. <laughs> so so for me, to the the kind of the two keys to the game would be. Can Penn State's run game get going in a reliable, serviceable way? Can we break open some decent runs? And can we, you know, get enough four, five, six yard runs that that we can kind of have consistency on offense? On the flip side, I agree with you 100%. It's going to be, can we slow down their passing attack? Can we get to their quarterback or, um, you know, break up passes or get some interceptions or, or, you know, do whatever needs to be done on the back end to disrupt their passing attack. I think if, if both of those two things happen, we have got a good chance of winning this game. And I think we've got the talent for those things to happen. The problem is the last couple of years, you know, talent hasn't been enough, especially on the run game side. And I think that if this, sort of turns into what it was for Penn State at the end of the season last year, which is, um, you know, hoping we get some decent throws and trying to keep up with a high scoring offense or, you know, asking our defense to hold, you know, you know, drive after drive after drive after drive because we keep, you know, coming up zero on the scoreboard. Uh, when our offense is out there, if if that kind of thing happens, you know this is going to be a, a challenging night, and 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 we risk losing this game and and giving Purdue the chance that they be, you know believe that they can win and letting the crowd get in it, and it could it could get bad. Here's and, um, yeah, here's I, I mean Michigan State in their loss to Purdue, they didn't look good. They did not look good against Purdue, and and Purdue has a chance to. Uh, I mean, they did the same thing to Iowa. I think um, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, where Iowa was looking really, really solid. Um, and I guess it was I don't remember now, but like the, Purdue stole a game from Iowa. In fact, they made Iowa look foolish. And um, so I, you know, I I just I think Purdue has the ability to to make a team look foolish if you let them get going. I don't see. Um Sixth-year Sean Clifford allowing Purdue to beat him. I just don't. So you're. I just don't. You're. You're. you're you've got a solid Penn State win. Um, I, I got a. I got a win. I got a Penn State win. Um, I mean, when I say solid, I mean like you feel confident in a Penn State win. I. I. I feel confident <laughs> that we will win the game. I don't yeah. necessarily believe it'll be a blowout. I don't think necessarily we'll win by ten. Like I just think. Like you think we'll find a way to, I would, I mean, yeah. And, and, and as I sit here now, so what's your score, man, what's your score? I don't know what the line is. I don't know what the, uh, I don't either. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and say, um, Penn state wins. Um, Ooh, 31 to 28. Wow. I'm going win as well, and I'm going uh, I'm going 42. Oh man, to 31. Wow, yeah, man. Um, and that brings us. Hey, we both know that Penn State's going to win one game now. We've predicted it, so it will. Here's happen. what we haven't done yet, though, Andy. What's your season? What's prediction? your season prediction? What's your season? Well, I got a one and zero. Nittany Lions coming out of week one. Yeah. Um, I don't. <sighs> It's tough to go. I'll go nine and three. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I've got as I've well. I've got nine and three. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna. I don't know where. It's tough to to predict those those losses. What games those are? I I definitely think Ohio State's one of them. Um, uh, I mean, Michigan feels like it could be, but I actually also feel like we we should, we might. I think we'll lose. I think we'll lose two of the three big in the East, and then I think we'll lose one of our four opening games. Okay. And it's that's 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 Ohio what I, but Bobcats. Could, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, but we could you know you could trade like oh we we beat Michigan and then lose to Minnesota like I th- I right. think in yeah. that three and that three game stretch we're likely to you know the three game stretch plus plus Minnesota will give away two of those games yeah. and then I think one of the first four games will have a hard time winning so I, I'm coming up with three losses as well um, I think that. That'll be the springboard to being a really, really good season next year as well. And I, I think it'll, especially if we can end on a on a you know four or five game win streak. That would be that would also feel great, including that bowl game. Yeah. So, I'm going nine and three. Um, I, I would love to see more. I'd love the ten and two. I would love an eleven and one. I think we've got the talent for that to happen. Andy, you know, other than Ohio we got State, to go I think we can beat it, baby. <laughs> I don't know about. I mean, to me. To me, Ohio State still yeah. has the most talent yeah, of any Big Ten obviously. team, and um, the game's got to break perfectly for our team to win right now. But we're we're inching up there, and a, a lot of people think that Penn State is building toward that, and we just need to see it on the field. And you know, I, I think we'll take some steps in that direction this year. So, all right, man. Hey, this has been a long podcast. It has. Um, a lot longer than we thought. You know, why don't we why don't we wrap it up? Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, looking forward to entering into the season with you guys. Want to encourage you to go ahead and send us a mailbag entry. Send an email to uh, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Don't forget to send a um, re- review um, or rating, especially on your, um, you know, your podcast uh, provider, because that really helps us uh, move up in the rating so other people can find us, you know. But uh, we're glad you found us. And, bro, I'm glad to be going into season three with you uh, as a blue and white brother. Almost thought it always starts with I love and you. And it ends with I love you. We almost thought this wouldn't happen this year, but here we are. I know, man. <laughs> glad to do it. All right. All right. I'll talk to you after the game, man. Take care. Go Penn State, All baby. Right. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 